This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Imagine surrounding yourself with incredible women, women who've overcome challenges, they've rebounded after failures and disappointments, and women who are not afraid to shine their brilliance to make a mark in the world. These women support other like-minded women because they know there is plenty of opportunity for everyone and that together we really can make a difference, grow our businesses while have fun along the way. This is what Women in Leadership Podcast is all about. Welcome, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Grab a cover of your favorite beverage, pull up a chair and let's get this conversation started. And welcome to another episode. My guest today says, in business, you lead with empathy, but make decisions without emotion. And joining me on today's show is Hayley Westerby. In the last 12 years, Hayley has worked in top advertising and marketing agencies with global brands. Now, she founded Gamut Collective to bridge a gap for small to medium businesses offering accessible marketing services. Now, in just over two years, she has built a successful in bound business through social media and personal branding. Now, Haley aims to change the agency perception by providing a positive, empowering environment inspired by her own experience and a commitment to transforming the marketing industry. Now, on today's show, Haley is going to share a real and relatable journey with no BS advice. She's going to talk about how honest and practical pieces of advice about business or personal branding marketing and social media. Can't wait to hear those, as well as how can we build a sense of confidence to back ourselves and our own journey. So welcome to the show, Hayley. Thank you so much for having me. I love the uh, intro piece, the quote, you know, in business lead with empathy, but make decisions without emotion. And of course, uh, this is Women in Leadership uh, podcast. And so often, uh, we have heard, maybe not so much now, thank goodness, but, you know, about emotion and women and, I mean, men get emotional too. It's just maybe in a different mm. a different way. But I love the leading with empathy. Why is that so important to you? Yeah, look, I think it's something that took me a few years to realise. Um, I've always been somebody that has felt my feelings quite hard, whether that's, you know, um, empathising with, a friend or a colleague or, um, you know, taking things quite personally when things don't go right or getting feedback at any kind of junior level. And, you know, you hear these conflicting stories around, you know, there should be no emotion in leadership, like it should just be facts and making decisions on facts. And I think if I look at some of the best female leaders or leaders in general that I've had, they have been the people that on one hand can sit there and empathize with you if you are upset about something or 
you know, you're feeling a certain way. But then they're also those people that can make decisions without that emotion clouding their judgment. So I think it's only in the last 18 months that I've really grown to understand that me as an empathetic leader is the best leadership version of myself because my team know that I'm a, a human being. I'm not a machine just churning out work and turning up every day emotionless. Um, But then in the same way, I think emotion can really get in the way of some fundamental decisions that you need to make in terms of business. Um, And in the same way, you know, there's a, I've got a couple of friends in the, in the property um, area and they say, you know, buying a house should never be an emotional decision. It should be based on, you know, what return is it going to get you if you are going to sell it? What can you afford? What's the best quality place that you can afford at that time? And so I think making decisions without emotion is really hard, but it's yes. really, really important. Yeah. And you know what? You know, the example that you shared about the house, so mm. often decisions do have that aspect of emotion and that we'll feel good. You know, I know for me, handbag or shoes or some aspect of clothing yes is it on sale all of those different things yeah. but a lot of times is you know what it's going to I've worked hard um reward myself and I'm going to feel good in in wearing mm-hmm. that but I think as you said there needs to be a balance and yeah. it's those times where perhaps the emotion that we are uh, is it the right emotion that's driving us and I'm sure we can all give experiences of leaders that we've worked with who had no emotion at all and I tell mm-hmm. you what notice the difference don't you in a workplace in a work environment and one of the things that you've said and I'm sure you're going to dive a little bit deeper into it you want to provide an positive empowering environment how does that impact how do you have you seen that impacted the performance and your team's overall morale when an environment like that is created yeah I mean first and foremost I think if I look at my own experience in my career to date I know that um, there has been environments that I've been in that have been awful Um, and toxic and um, you know in some instances straight out bullying that's kind of been tolerated um, by a business or or a leadership team um, because that's how they've always done it or that's just who that person is um, which I is so wrong and I could go on for hours about how wrong that is Um, but I also think um, I've then also appreciated being in being in businesses and workplaces where I've had that support, where I've had that encouragement, where I've been empowered to make decisions for myself or go into more senior conversations or client conversations to have a difficult conversation. And I've been empowered by the leadership team or my manager or a fellow colleague um, that has made the world of difference in terms of how I've felt, how I've progressed, what I've learned. Um, So for me, I mean, I know every time I left an organisation for one reason or another, I always had this ongoing joke with my friends saying, you know, when when I start my own business, it won't be like this. Like this is the things that, that won't happen. And um, I think when I started my business, I did not at all intend to have a team. Um, I just wanted to do it myself and, and spend some time on my own figuring out what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, and then as my team started to grow, it became this, real light bulb moment for me that you know for the business I had this driving factor you know from the moment that I started it to do good work with good people that was it and then as I grew my team I really noticed that 
for me, the importance that I wanted to put on having a supportive environment, an empowering environment, and I regularly refer to my business as the orphanage. Um, and the reason that I do is because we have a lot of clients that come to us who have been burnt by freelancers or big agencies. And similarly, a lot of our team have worked for brands or agencies where they've been treated awfully. So I regularly refer to our business as the orphanage because I do like to create a space that is safe, that is um, an empowered space because I know that when people feel like they can turn up to work them in them in their full selves, they can bring, you know, whatever's happening at home. They can bring their insecurities about, you know, their particular skill set or themselves and they can talk about them. Mm-hmm. The only way they're going to get better or grow is if they're in a space where they can freely talk about that and use the space as a space to test and learn what they, you know, want to do or need to be doing. And so I think there's a huge amount of trust comes into that and I think hiring the right people Um, is a really important factor in that as well. But I think that for me, there is no other way to do it. You know, there's got to be trust there. There's got to be that empowerment to make decisions for themselves because if you try to micromanage a business in the same way that you try to micromanage a team, you end up doing all of the work yourself. And I don't have enough hours in the day to be doing all the work myself, which is why I have a team. So I think it kind of comes hand in hand in the sense that, um yeah for me it's a no-brainer um and it's not a hard thing to do which in some businesses that I have worked in before have kind of alluded to the fact that it's you know really tricky to trust people and really tricky to you know empower people to make decisions because what if you know they mess up or whatever so I think being able to test that theory for myself in my own business has been really rewarding and I've seen the benefits within the team um, and within the business um, at large. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, one of the things that you've said, there's so many different aspects of what you've just said that we can really dive into. But one of the things that has really stood out is the fact that you've recognised through working through various industries and organisations, there was a huge gap. And not only have you now recognised it and and said, look, if I'm ever going to start my business, which you have, I'm going to do this really differently. And you have. You're also attracting other people who've experienced, you know, so not only team, but also customers customers who've experienced the exact same thing and who are looking for that um, solution that, uh, you know, and and even in the environment in which you're offering uh, the way in which you're doing business, uh, which I think is is amazing because, you know, we are so often looking for, well, what can I do differently than all of the other people who are working in my industry? Um, Just be nice. Just, you know what I mean? Just deliver what you said you deliver in a nice way. So what is one of the things, you know, when we when we look at that and your decision making, because there's a difference between someone recognizing, look, if I ever did this in my business, I'm going to do it this way. It can be scary, can't it, to recognize something but actually take action on it. So what were some of the things that you did from the get-go, Haley, and maybe on an ongoing basis, that you really remain so committed to that because it can get difficult in stressful times, you know, and, and often something will happen and you don't want to turn into the people that you said, I'm not going to actually ever be like yeah. them. Does that make sense? What have you Absolutely. done personally Absolutely. and within the team? 
Yeah, look, I think there's a couple of ways that I look at it. Um, I always saw it a lot in the marketing and advertising industry where you'd have people that work within an agency and then end up going client side. And it kind of became this known factor that if you went over to the client side and you previously worked in an agency, if you've had a string of really poorly acting clients, i.e. not getting back to people on time, kind of going MIA, not providing like consolidated briefs or anything like that, they typically became that client. Um, And I think if I look at it a broader sense, you know, um, if we look at um, an instance where you've been bullied, for example, you know, there's some people that go, well, I've been bullied my whole life, so I'm going to bully others. Whereas there's also some people that go through the exact same experience and go, I will never be that person because I know what it feels like to be on the receiving end. Yeah, We have the same kind of saying with clients and brands, you know, when you go from an agency side, you've experienced agency. Typically it is like kind of grind environment where it's like, you know, the client's always right, just kind of get the job over the line kind of thing. And then when they go client side, they then become those clients that have treated them poorly or they become these exceptional clients because they're like, I know what it's like to have to deal with a shitty client. So I think that it can go one of two ways um, when you've experienced these things throughout your life. I think for me, um, the things that I implemented from a really, really, I laugh about it now, but from a really early phase in the business, I was just me. I had no intention of hiring anybody, but I wrote policies and like, strategies and processes for you know annual leave and you know if I had a team you know what would be the benefits that we would provide them and like how would we structure our working days and things like that now I had no team at the time but I thought ahead and really tried to conceptualize what it would look like if I did have a team of three four five you know ten people and beyond which came in super useful when I did hire my first person because I obviously had already thought through a lot of those things. Um, I think the big thing for me as well when it comes to kind of bringing new people on board um, is constantly having that that two-way conversation with your team. For me, it is so important and I drill this into every conversation I have with leaders is that the team and the people that you have working under you do not get paid to run your business. They get paid to do their job. And I think that far too often people think that by owning a business, and I think that social media has played a huge role in glorifying business ownership, um, but I think that far too often people go, well, I own the business and therefore I don't have to work as hard because I'm going to hire people that will do that for me. Mm. And I think that that is such a gross miscalculation of what owning a business is um for me I'm like if I'm not the hardest working person in my team there's something out of whack um because they don't get paid to do you know the Saturday shift they don't get paid to do at any time also I think one of the big things for me was you know any overtime that they do that is outside of their contract like Saturdays if we're running an event on a Sunday they get paid for that They get paid for the hours that they work because I worked in an events agency where if I worked an entire weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I'd get half a day in lieu back. Wow. And I'm like, half a day doesn't cover me missing out on family events because I had to deliver something for my client. Half a day doesn't cover all of those things that I miss. 
or the money that I could potentially earn if I was working a casual job Saturday and Sunday. So I think just being able to look at um, the people that you have within your team as real human beings and flipping the scenario, you know, whenever I respond to one of our team or I have a conversation that might be a little bit more difficult, I always go, how would I like to receive this conversation? How would I like to have this conversation if I was, you know, having this conversation with a a leader or a boss of mine? Um, And I think lastly on that point, when people, I think one of the biggest myths of owning a business um, is that when you start a business, you just do all of the stuff that you love, which is just so wrong. Because when you start a business, you know, I started it because I wanted to fundamentally help people understand marketing, social media and personal branding better. Um, and I think if I could work for free, I absolutely would because I had a hard time very early on being like, well, if you can't pay for the services, I can still help you. But I think that then flipping that for a bit of a business mentality kind of helped me, um, you know, back myself in in charging for the, the things that we charge for. Um, but, you know, when you start a business, you start doing all the stuff that you love, right? You start, you know, talking about all the things that you love. But then as your business grows you start doing more finance stuff, HR stuff, people management stuff. And I think that one of the biggest things that I always love to say, especially when people go, I'm looking at starting a business, is like, that's great, but think about that long-term plan. Do you just want to only be yourself for a business, which is fine? Do you want to have a team and eventually grow and scale? Because I think that most people want that, you know, they want their own office, they want their team of people, but they don't understand that with that, I mean, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, right? I think it comes with this whole plethora of stuff that you have to wear different hats for. Every time we need to hire a new person, it's me doing contracts with our legal team, you know, me writing up all of their back end set up stuff in our finance system. It's me making sure that they're all on boarded. So I think that that then takes you away from all of the stuff that you love doing or the reason why you started the business. So I think yeah. that's something that everybody has to be okay with when they start a business. Yeah. What I love about what you said too earlier, you mentioned that even when it was just yourself, you'd already started putting in um, policies and procedures and things like that. I mean, even though you hadn't didn't have team, and one of the things that I would imagine that that has done is that you looked at yourself in your business very differently too. You are an employee of the business versus, well, I'm just doing all of the things anyway or whatever it is that you're in business. Would you agree that having those in place immediately had you look, well, I'm the employee of the business. If I needed to replicate myself or even get other people in the team, I've got some of those processes in, in place that I can at least tweak and, and adapt, they're there. Would you agree that that's you looked at your business differently from being employee of your business as well? Yeah, and I think that it's funny, like the conversations that I've had with people that I've bumped into since starting my business, I, I get a lot of like, oh, my gosh, you're doing so well or you're, you know, killing it or and all of that. And I really struggle with compliments. I'm trying to get better, but I really struggle because for me there's always more to be done Um, but I would say that first and foremost, I looked at it from what are all the shitty experiences that I have had in my career and how do I mitigate those from happening in my own business? And that's where it, like, that's where it fundamentally started was what I literally wrote a list of all of the shitty conversations, 
the awful interactions that I've had over 12 years. And I go, okay, cool. First one. First one was being told that um, when I had a partner of mine in hospital sick and I was working by his bedside that I had to log a day of annual leave even though I was working. So for me, that was like, cool, don't want that to happen to any of my team. What was So I literally put it in a table. I was like, these are the situations that have happened. The next thing was like how if I was the leader at that time of that business or that organisation, how would I respond or do differently um, to make that person feel supported and empowered and um, cared for? Um, And I I went through every situation. And then I went through, you know, in an ideal world, I think, you know, um, one of my therapy sessions, I had this great um, task provided to me, which was like, come up with your ideal average day. Yeah. And it was a really interesting task because it takes you from the moment that you wake up out of bed, it gets you to be really descriptive, like what bed sheets do you wake up in? What are you wearing when you wake up? What do you do when you first wake up? And it kind of goes all the way through until the moment that you go to bed. And this is an ideal average day, right? So you still have to go to work. You're not a multi-trillionaire. You still have to go to work. Um, you can't hire everybody in to do all of the stuff for you. But what does that ideal average day look like for me? And there were a number of things that came up for me there that then made me really think like, why am I not doing that in my normal life? Because I can, but I'm just not. Um, And so for me, being able to then go, what is the ideal experience from a person working within this organisation? What does it look like? How do I expect them to, you know, act, behave, treat me, you know, have conversations with me, all of those things, and then worked backwards from there. Because then that also shaped my hiring job description. For when I was looking for people, it helped me articulate the types of people that I was looking for. You know, one of the things that became really evident to me in that process was I hire people that want to have their own businesses but don't want to work on their own. Yeah, the entrepreneur. Absolutely, because there is, and as I said before, there is absolutely nothing wrong with being successful working for somebody else. Absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with them. Um, and there are certainly days that I sit here and I'm like, God, it would be so much easier working for somebody else. <laughs> but I think that in that same respect, if you are looking to start the business and you're looking to bring people on, the biggest responsibility you have is for those people's livelihoods, mm-hmm. their paycheck, and their well-being. Yeah. Like, you spend... of your week at work Mm -hmm. and in the same way that you know I said this the other day to um, a friend of mine who also owns a business and I said in the same way that when you go to rescue a dog or you go to adopt a child they do welfare checks they do you know is your home set up for a good environment you know are there risks at home that could potentially hurt the dog or the baby We don't do that for workplaces, but we absolutely should. Like each person that goes into a workplace, the leader or manager within those workplaces have a responsibility for that person's career path, their progression, their well-being and their mental health. Yeah, absolutely. if no you can impact that, can't you? The buck always stops, um, I think, with the leader. I mean, many you know, leaders do say that, but it is so true. And, you know, as you're saying, there's things that happen, there's challenges that occur and the buck stops with you. And I don't think 
some entrepreneurs or some business owners don't recognize that you may then have team but that does not then have you not have you know oh I'm going to have team and I don't have to focus actually you as a team as the team leader or the leader of the business you're now responsible for creating the environment and ensuring that the team is able to do their job well you know no matter what's going on yeah I was gonna say I think on top of that as well one of the biggest things I began to notice quite early on in my career is that as people progress in their jobs within an organization they you know get better at their jobs and then they get more responsibility to manage team and there are people that love managing people and there are people that don't and those people you can be really good at your job but you might not be great at managing people. And I think that one of the biggest flaws, especially in, you know, most of corporate Australia is that, or corporate society, is that you progress and you get better at what you do and then you get this responsibility of managing two, three, 10, 20, 50 people. But you might not ever have received management training. Mm -hmm. You might not ever have received... Um, any sort of support to help you manage these people's careers, you might not have even had a conversation as to whether that's something that you want to do or not. Exactly. Um, And I think that that's one of the biggest flaws that sit within corporate, the corporate world at the moment is that there's this responsibility that comes with being good at your job, but some people don't want that responsibility of managing people. So I think that there needs to be a shift in how we structure um, businesses because, again, fundamentally, if you have a bad manager for a year, that can have a serious impact on your career growth yes. because that's a year of you not getting the you know skills, the lessons, the you know, empowerment, the um, conversations that will make you better, which ultimately then impact your career over the long term. Yeah, so not I to mention the mindset, you know, absolutely. and the things that you need to, to really undo. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, there's a big conversation now around women missing out on their career because of choosing to be a mum or, you know, having to take time out of their career to be caregivers. Um And I would argue that there is a bigger conversation at play that people that are being mismanaged are actually suffering the same amount because they can use lose years off their career if they're not managed by the right person. Mm -hmm. So I think that, yes, whilst I can accept that, you know, women that choose to have a baby or choose to be a sole caregiver or a stay-at-home mum, they lose that section of their their career. But I would also argue that men and women are at risk of losing chunks of their career through mismanagement. And another point to add to that too, looking after children is in and of itself a career and I would say one of the most important um, aspects if someone chooses to to stay home. I, I gave up work and I did years ago obviously my youngest is now what 29 nearly um I decided to give up work and and I could not wait to to be 
um, you know, home yeah. looking after the kids. Give me a year or so at home and it was like mm, twiddles and then twiddled my thumb and then decided, you know what, I can do both and yeah. started, you know, smaller businesses. I share that because, you know, it, it's whatever suits the, the woman. Don't let other people's biases Absolutely. or what community says go back to work. What is what does that look like for you? Of course, so uh, love love this conversation, mm-hmm. Haley. We have gone. I, I want to get spend a little bit of time pulling you back because we have just gone on to spoken of some amazing and very important things in the aspect of leadership. Still, only just scratched the surface there, but I know your area of expertise as well is not only creating an incredible environment for your team, which is very different from the environments that you worked in in the last twelve years, but also around personal branding, marketing, and social media. This is really important for businesses as well. You know, whether they're solopreneurs or have a team too. What are some things that you want to share around branding, marketing, and social? media that maybe uh, people are not yet quite aware of, especially now with all of the changes in the different tech tools and technologies at our fingertips? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that um, everyone is acutely aware of the importance of brand. And I think that one of the conversations that has been kind of done to death is around, you know, becoming the next Apple or Nike or, you know, a really memorable brand. Um, But not enough people are talking about the brands that you already have within your organisation and they are the personal brands that you have within your business. Uh, For me, I think, again, over the last 12 years, I think you drink the Kool-Aid when you're part of a business or an organisation. I know that one of my very first clients that I had was Optus and it was prepaid and I became passionate about prepaid mobiles. (laughs) But I think that when you're in an organisation, you drink the Kool-Aid and you go, cool, we're working with these amazing businesses because of the agency that I'm working with or because of the brand that I work for. And I just think that they couldn't be more wrong. I think that having started my own business now and seen a few of my clients that I've worked with in massive organisations now follow me to where I am running my business because they want to work with me and my team, it says nothing about the business brand and everything about my personal brand. And I think that too many business owners put all of their eggs in their business brand amplification basket and not enough in their team's amplification basket. And I think that, you know, we're doing a lot of work with uh, some of the big banks um, in Australia and New Zealand. We're doing um, some work with massive marketing agencies and insurance groups around how we can take the hundreds of thousands of voices that they have within their network Mm-hmm. and within their organization because if you think about it the business brand is one voice in market mm-hmm. whereas if you have a hundred thousand people working within that business and they're all talking about this brand or what they do or how they work or why what they love about what they do or it doesn't even have to be about work even if it's about themselves um that then creates this narrative of what this business is all about and I think that You know, similarly to when brands invest in ambassadors and ambassadorships and things like that, you're missing out the fact that you are paying hundreds of people that are your own ambassadors. And I think there's two reasons why businesses don't do it. One, they're scared that they don't treat their staff well enough to encourage them to talk about what they're doing at work. So they're scared. Go back and listen to all of the things that we've spoken about earlier, if that's the case. Totally. So I think that they're scared to empower their teams to start having these conversations online. I know that one business that I've worked for previously told me that I wasn't allowed to share what I was doing at work online or anything about work online. 
um, and I know exactly why now. Um, but there's the other reason is they just don't know where to start or how to do it. And I think that seeing a couple of the pilot programs that we've run for some of the biggest banks in Australia, people are terrified of saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And I think especially on a platform like LinkedIn, there's this post paralysis, which I'm trying to inco- like come up with a, a name for around this fear of hitting post because yeah. they know what they want to say. And if they're in a room full of people having a conversation or if they're on a podcast talking about it, they know what they want to say. But when it comes to writing it out and then sharing it with the, the big bad world, they they get scared and they they don't want to hit post for a number of reasons. They are scared to be judged. They're scared that they're going to say the wrong thing. They're scared that they're going to be fired. And I think, again, it comes back to businesses being, you know, empowering their team to talk about the things that they love talking about. And, you know, one of the conversations that I had with one of the teams in the bank was, well, we can't talk about our products and services, so what should we talk about? And I said, okay, so when you pick up the like the phone to 50 of your top clients or customers, what do you talk about? Do you talk about sport? Do you talk about what you did on the weekend with your family? Do you talk about the fact that you watched the sunrise this morning? What do you talk about? He's like, oh, typically we talk about our family or I'm a big AFL supporter or whatever. Yeah. So why can't you talk about that online? Because I guarantee you that there are hundreds of thousands of other people that are doing what you do, mm-hmm. but nobody is you and nobody has what you know you do for a living plus your things that you enjoy outside of work and I think that when we think about people from a professional standpoint one of the biggest things that I talk about is um I don't know if we can swear but I would say like f professionalism right like because there's this misconception around what professionalism is now I've Mm -hmm. been told for years my nails aren't professional my hair isn't professional my outfits aren't professional but professional by definition yes. is you doing your profession. Yeah. You are a professional, right? You're professional. Definition. Yeah, exactly. By definition. So why then are we always hiding behind oh that post wasn't professional? The way in which you conducted yourself wasn't professional. I think it leads again leaders to hide behind this word that they don't actually have to communicate or articulate themselves. Yeah, and, I think and that- would you, you something that you said earlier, Haley, mm-hmm. is that one of the things that businesses or or the people within the business we don't know what to post. Mm-hmm. Well, that maybe is an indication that the organisation hasn't provided them the right support or a framework and examples of hey, these are some of the things that have been posted before. What what can you bring in around that kind of discussion? Mm-hmm. As you say, football. How can we segue it into? Um, you know, a, a conversation that's relevant totally. to you. Would you say that a lot of that uncertainty um, and hesitation to press, um, you know, post is because they're not clear on those key parameters? What what can we do and what would you say? Yeah, I think it's a really fine line. I think that um, there are businesses that I've gone into to run workshops and um, help them with pilot programs that were literally providing monthly templates for their team to post, which I think is too much because then you have a hundred thousand people all saying the exact same thing. And they know that it's not. It's like, totally. Totally. And I think also like, you know, people online know you better than you 
think they do. I think they're able to pick up whether, you know, someone has written it for you or whether you have written it for yourself. Um, and also, you know, from a, an algorithm point of view, if we were to get into it, LinkedIn won't ever show the same piece of content twice. So if your business strategy, which is a lot of, you know, clients that I go into and work with, if your business strategy is to repost content from the brand and your brand has half a million followers yeah. and people who are your followers have already seen that brand post, they then won't be showing your post at all. Yeah. So I think that one of the biggest kind of misconceptions, I think there's this really kind of fine line between how much information you provide, but then also how much trust you give your team to post. Now yes. with my team, I sit them down like Laura, one of the girls that works with me, she, when she started with me, she said, I want to be better at LinkedIn. And I say, great, you're in the right place. She was great on Instagram, great on TikTok. She was actually the person that started our business TikTok because she was like, we need to be on it. And I said, okay, no problems. She said, jump. And I said, how high? Um, <laughs> but with LinkedIn, it's all about being able to give people the right information to then start sharing their own thoughts and their own pieces of content because 70% of what Laura and my team and myself post about is not work. Yeah. It's about what we're doing outside of work. It's me watching a sunrise in the morning and why it's important for me to schedule my day around, you know, doing something for myself. Uh, so, you know, talking about the fact that I did a 24-hour row on the weekend for mental health because mental health is something that I'm really passionate about. And then there's the 30% of stuff where they talk about work and they talk about the results that we've had with our clients. They talk about you know, the beautiful designs that they've created for our clients. They talk about all of these things that then become this social proof of what you do is actually working. Um, I had a new client call me last week. I picked up the phone and they said, hey, Hayley, we've not spoken. Like, it was an ex-client of mine um, probably from like seven or eight years ago. They called me and they go, I'm not really sure what you do but I know that you can help me. Yeah. Wow. And for me, most people would be offended. But for me, I was like, this is the ultimate compliment. The fact that and you trust me. Totally. Real trust in you and in your integrity. Totally. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, personal branding essentially is the ability to be known, liked, and trusted. And if you're talking about work all the time, there is nothing more boring than you just talking about sales, asking people for something, you know, constantly asking instead of giving. And I think that for me, being able to have a presence on LinkedIn and Instagram and TikTok that people can call me and go, I'm not even sure what your services are, but I know that you're well, I see you doing it so well. We want what you're doing. Totally. You know what I love about how this conversation has progressed? Everything that you're now saying about your team and how they're showing up and how Laura said, you know, I want to be on TikTok, all of those things, that would not be possible or the content that you're creating and their, their enthusiasm to contribute and do would not be there had it not been for all of the things that you spoke about earlier, creating that environment, supportive environment. And that shows, doesn't it, online and how your team picks up and runs with it. It's, it's yeah. 
validates what you've just been talking. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I regularly listen to the Diary of a CEO podcast. I'm not sure if you listen to it, but I am obsessed with it. It's part of my weekly routine. And hey, Stephen Bartlett regularly talks about, um, you know, he obviously talks to people that have been through lots in their life, whether it's from traumatic experiences, addiction, you know, bad businesses or, you know, whatever it is. But he says, you know, there's this study that, you know, they talked about 10,000 people that have been through awful experiences and that each of them were asked individually if they were given an eraser to erase that part of their life, would they? And 100% of them said no. Yeah. And I think that for me, um, and again, like the shitty experiences that I have been through in life and in my career today, I wouldn't have been able to build the business that I've got today without them. The foundations but, that you stand on. Absolutely. You know, so no I think those, from that and, uh, absolutely. And I think also that the empathy comes from that, right? I think that, um, you know, if you've gone through your life or your career and you've been, you know, had every amazing experience, but you haven't had any bad experiences. And then I say this the same in relationships, like, you know, I, I can't appreciate a good friendship or a good relationship without having had an awful one. And I think that it's the same for business. Like, yes, that sucks at the time and it is really shitty and it is something that leaves a lasting impression on yourself, your self-worth, your confidence. But again, all of those awful experiences allow you to be able to kind of see a bigger picture of how it could be or how it should be, um, which then for me, allows me to have a, a lasting impact on the team that I've got and the clients that we work yeah. with. Amazing. Amazing. And, you know, uh, a lot of the challenges and, you know, situations, very stressful situations, there are often two paths that we can take. We can allow that to, def- well, we l- allow those situations to define us, but how they define us is going mm. to be up to you, isn't it? And, and what you think about them. And if you look at those opportunities, pick apart the lessons and go and allow those to grow you as a person and, and the character, my yeah. goodness, what an amazing leader you can be. And, and what you've just said, how many conversations I have had with both both men and women, one in particular stands out, he was in Silicon Valley. He said, if we had have gotten the funding so earlier on and not had you know uh, failure after failure after failure he said I would not be the husband the man the father the CEO that I am today because it really all of those mm-hmm. situations shape the character and mean that I am now and I see things so much differently you know so differently yeah. I think it comes back to that saying that is one of my favorites I'm such a quote fiend but I one of my um favorite sayings is around the same boiling water that softens the potato boils the egg and so I think that you know there are situations that happen to everybody um, and I think that the ability to deal with them and I think a large part of that comes back to to my dad and what he said to me growing up you know military background and he said Hayley crying won't solve anything and a lot of people go oh that's really harsh but then on the other hand I had my mum that was like crying feels really good so do it um and I think that you know dad for me whilst emotion wasn't something that was kind of his strong point in terms of dealing with it allowed me to become this okay well what are we going to do like crying about it or getting upset about a situation won't change the outcome but being able to find a solution that can change or shift the outcome 
um, is where my priority kind of started from a really early age. So I think that for me has always been something that, you know, when something does happen in life where it's, you know, not great or challenging, I think, you know, I sit there and I go, okay, cool. What are the solutions that come out of this? And what's the first step to make it happen? Yeah. Or you, a blend of both, isn't it? I'm going to give myself five minutes. I'm going to release yeah. all of that. And then five minutes is up. Now let's get crying it. Crying feels good too. I think it's I really cathartic. I think there's nothing, nothing better. I've had loud music on before in my office here. Loud music, just crying. I think a lot of it as well when you start a business is just the fear of the unknown. And I think the longer you spend in business, the more you realise that no one knows what they're doing. And they're yes. all just making it up as they go along. Um, and there is no playbook. There is no playbook for, you know, what we're doing now. There's no playbook for what's been done before us. Um, and I think that... It's your own playbook, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think yeah. it's a conversation that I had with one of um, my clients recently who is a mum and she has her own business. And I said, you know, we're the first generation of women that are running businesses and raising families at the same time. So I was like, there is no playbook. So I was like, it's up to you to create what that playbook looks like for you. And it looks different for every single person, you know, women that can't have children, women that want to have children but can't, or women that want to have children but not now. Like there's all these conversations that come up off the back of that. But I think, yeah, I think some of the most humbling um, experiences that I've had is when I've gone into organisations, massive organisations, and I've met their, like, leaders. And I'm like, you run this business? Yeah. Like, if you're running this business, I'm good. Like, I've got, my, I've got my ducks in a row. I know what I'm doing. So I think, yeah, sometimes there is um, some real comfort in knowing that, like, there's worse people out there, there's better people out there, and you don't have to be the best. You're not going to be the worst. And, yeah, make it up as you go along. Yeah, amazing. And how can people get in contact with you, Hayley? What's the best way? I'm on most of the social media platforms except for Twitter because they keep changing the name and the algorithm every hour. Um, yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, just Hayley Westerby. I'm on Instagram, Hayley Westerby, but also the business Gambit Collective. And then we're also on TikTok, um, Hayley Westerby and Gambit Collective. Well, thank you so much for this wonderful uh, conversation. We've been all around the, the uh, you know, different topics, but it has all come full circle, uh, which is why I love having these conversations. We can learn so much from one another, you know, and um, there's always a way to figure something out. It's just, as you said, as you're creating your own playbook. But the beautiful thing is, as you're creating your own playbook, you can then go and shine the torch on the pathway for another woman who may be going through the things that you've been going through many years ago and help her along the journey. And so, you know, together and supporting one another, we, uh, we really are better. So thank you for the conversation and uh, please reach out to Hayley. She's on all of the, the different platforms, Google and, and her business as well. And uh, we've certainly um, can sense that to, to work with your organisation, whether it's part of the team or as a client, that you'll certainly look after us in the best way possible. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. 
Hey, it's Anne-Marie. Before I go, are you a coach or a consultant who feels like the world's best kept secret? Your experience is vast, yet secretly you're frustrated because despite all of your hard work, you're just not getting the visibility, the recognition or new clients you'd hope for and you don't know why. I've created a free resource that'll help you build visibility, generate leads and enroll dream clients with ease because you're seen as a trusted authority, even in a crowded marketplace. And you've positioned yourself as the choice versus just a choice for your dream client. To get started, go to annemariecross.com forward slash gift. That's annemariecross.com forward slash gift. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.